The title of my program today is How to Perform a Miracle. <laughs> how audacious is that? But I think once we catch the principles of God and how he moves, miracles, even great miracles, can become so commonplace. Just this last Sunday night, I was in a service in a little church plant that we're doing. It's our first service in a town, and, and we'd had good worship, and, a, and I, I did an okay little preach. And then I said, if anyone needs healing, come to be healed. And, and a lady came out eventually. It took quite a while, to be honest, for people to respond. Not every meeting is, is perfect. But she came out, she said, I've got a pain in my back and in my, in my hips. And, and I prayed once and nothing happened. And then I, 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 I prayed again and the pain started to leave. And then she said, well, actually, one of my legs is shorter than the other. So I said, I was moving on to something else in the meeting. So I said, well, just take a seat there on the front row and my friend Jonathan, he'll, he'll pray for you. And so he picked up her feet and you could clearly see one leg was shorter than the other. And he prayed a couple of times. And then she got up and she started walking up and down the middle aisle. And she said, well, I should walk like this. Um, am I walking straight? And she was, she was walking perfectly straight. Isn't that incredible? She said, I've just been to doctors this morning. What am I going to tell him? I, I I'd had a scan and now the condition's healed. God does miracles. He's an incredible, gracious God. And if we can learn how he moves, if we can learn his ways, then incredible things can happen. And you don't have to be spectacular for that to happen. He's the one that does the spectacular stuff. So let me just give you some principles on how to do miracles. Um, in 1994, I've been in ministry since 1990. In 1994, four years in, I was already burnt out. <laughs> How hopeless is that, right? I'd burnt myself out at age 24. I was tired. I was a bit miserable. I was still preaching, but to be honest, it was point me at the next congregation. I don't really know what I'm doing, but so I was a little bit of a shell and just trying to keep going with the things of God. I remember 1994, I went up to this little meeting because I was, I said, God, you need to do something in my life. I'm tired. I'm weary. Um, I like you, but I'm not so keen on Christians. You ever been there? I like you, God, but the Bible doesn't feel exciting to me right now. I'm burned out. So I ended up in this little meeting, and I remember there was an altar call. I didn't even know what it was for, but I knew I was going to respond. So I went forward, and this little old lady came, and she prayed for me. Nothing happened in that moment. It was a Saturday night, and I remember going back to church, and I was leading worship on the piano the next day, and halfway through communion, the Holy Spirit, just hit my life. Well, I fell off the piano stool and I began to laugh uncontrollably in the Holy Spirit and that was communion pretty wrecked. But here's the amazing thing is, I remained overwhelmed by the Holy Spirit for days and days and days. Thankfully, I worked in a Bible school, so I, I could be. I was overwhelmed by God for days and I, I was having uh, dreams. I was sensing his presence so powerfully on my life. It was incredible, it was so intense, it was wonderful. And I lay there and it went on day one, day two, day three, day four. It was immense. I've got to be honest, as a young 24-year-old man, I was thinking, well, this is incredible. I mean, soon I'm going to say, bring out the dead. I'm ready to take on the world. I'd never felt the presence of God so powerfully as in that time. It went on for about 10 days, such intense presence. I was thinking, well, I'm going to be the next great evangelist. <laughs> Well, let me tell you what really happened. 10 days in, I've been overwhelmed by the power and the presence of God, just feeling such intensity from heaven. 
you would think that something extraordinary would happen after that. I don't know. I was expecting to walk down the street and just my shadow would heal people. I was wondering why the cashier at the local supermarket wasn't feeling the glory when I walked in. You ever been there when you're feeling God and you think, well, surely somebody else must? Ten days into this, the feeling begins to lift. And you know what had, what had actually happened in my life now? I was refreshed. I was back in love with God. But as far as miracles, signs, wonders, God moving through me to bless other people, do you want to know what happened? Absolutely nothing. Nothing happened. I felt God. I was refreshed. But still, all of that power and presence was locked up inside of me. I think a lot of Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled believers can get like this. We feel God so intensely. We sing all our songs about me and being more than conquerors, but actually... You know, stuff doesn't really happen as much as we'd want it to. You ever felt like this? I remember the author, Adrian Plass, writing in one of his, his books about putting a, a paperclip on a desk and thinking, well, if I'm more than a conqueror, I should be able to pray and command that paperclip to move and it should move. And, well, if you're anything like me, I fast and pray and do loads of stuff, but still the paperclip doesn't move. And lots of us have paperclip situations. We get full of the Holy Spirit but don't know how to shift a headache. We get full of the Holy Spirit, but still get the flu every year. How is it that we, we, how do we get the power and the presence of God inside of us to come out of us into the world and transform lives and heal people and, and see things happen like Jesus and the disciples did? How do we enable a release of the miraculous through us to others? Well, it started for me by a realization of this. Being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't enough. I'm going to say that again because you're probably going to think, what? How can you say that? It, being filled with the Holy Spirit isn't enough. Feeling God's presence isn't enough. Sensing God, the, the divine, glorious, wonderful goosebump of being around the presence of God isn't enough to turn you into a miracle worker. It's the start point, but it's not enough. In the story of the beginning of Jesus' ministry in Luke 3 and 4, we find a pattern that shows us how Jesus went from being filled to releasing the miraculous power of God. In Luke, round about verse 20-something, you find that he is filled with the Holy Spirit. He has this wonderful encounter in the Jordan with the Holy Spirit. And, of course, there's the voice from heaven that says, this is my son whom I love. With him I'm well pleased. And that really is what the infilling of the Holy Spirit starts like. We love the feeling of approval that comes from the presence of God, don't you? When you sense his love, when you sense his approval, and you get that well done, oh, everything's right with the world, the well done of heaven. But I believe many Christians stop there. Uh, one of humanity's great pursuits is the pursuit for approval. And so when many Christians get into the presence of God and they feel the well done of God, which is what the presence of God brings, they think, well, that's it. I've got the well done of God. I feel right with God again. I'm not feeling guilty anymore. I'm not feeling so worried about difficulties. God, you're with me. Many people stop there. But that's not enough to move into the authority and the power of God for miracles, signs, and wonders. If you read through, you'll find that Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit. Then you get a genealogy. Then at the beginning of Luke 4, you get this incredible verse. It says, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, so that's, that's what we've experienced, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan, and it says, and was led. That's the word I want, was led by the Spirit. Being filled is not enough. 
We have to go from being filled to being led. The Holy Spirit is not primarily coming to make us feel good, even though he often brings wonderful feelings. The danger is we can fall in love with the feeling of the presence and miss the purpose of the presence. The purpose of the presence of God is to bring communication to us. Jesus was filled, then he was led. Think about Acts chapter 2. It talks about the Holy Spirit being poured out. And what does Peter say when he's talking about the Holy Spirit? He says, there'll be dreams, visions, and prophecies. I want you to understand the presence of God is God's postman. The presence of God is how God sends his email into our lives. The presence of God is how God sends his instructions because this is how miracles happen. When you ask for a miracle, God doesn't give you a miracle usually. When you ask for a miracle, God gives you an instruction. When you fulfill the instruction, the miracle breaks out. I say that again. When you ask God for a miracle, he doesn't usually give you one. He gives you an instruction. When you fulfill the instruction, miracles break out. That's why the presence of God is all about information from heaven, God speaking to us. Because if we could just get the voice of God, miracles would break out. Let me show you how that happens through scripture. Think of Moses at the Red Sea. Moses has got the, got the Egyptian armies on the horizon behind him. He's got the Israelites gathered at the shore of the Red Sea, and now they're trapped. What does Moses do? He's talking to God about it, saying, God, what are you going to do? And God says something. Yes, there's so many adventures are wrapped up in what God says. And this is what God says to Moses. Lift your stick over the sea, your staff, the thing that's in your hand, and I will part it. Now, I don't know about you, but if I was Moses, I would have gone, stop messing around, just part the sea. Why do I have to wave this broom handle over the sea for it to part? Just part the sea. We've got our intercessors praying. We're playing music over here. We're anointing everything we can think of with oil. In other words, we're doing lots of religious stuff. This is me make, making up what we would do, really. But it was, the miracle was all wrapped up in one tiny instruction from God. Lift your staff over the sea. Now, here's the thing. The instruction isn't always logical. You can go to the beach today with all the broom handles you want and wave them over the sea. The sea is not going to part. It's not that the instruction always makes sense. Sometimes God is saying, if you just do this one thing in faith, trusting me, I will break out among you. Somehow in an instruction, God moves from the unseen into the seen and brings a miracle. So Moses lifts his stick over the sea and the sea parts. Think about Naaman and his leprosy, and, and he's told by, by the prophet, go wash in the Jordan seven times. There's no logic. The Jordan River won't wash away leprosy. No river will wash away leprosy. And actually, he's quite objectionable about it. Why should I do that? Then some young girl says, well, you know, you might as well, might as well give it a go. And he fulfills the instruction, and as he comes out the water the seventh time, his skin is clean. When we fulfill the instructions of heaven, miracles break out. And that's what we need to grasp. In Isaiah 63, 9, God calls the presence, he says the presence is an angel. Now, the, the word literally there means messenger. God's presence is a messenger. Do you know when you're feeling his presence on a Sunday morning? Enjoy it. There's nothing wrong with it. Enjoy the feel of his presence. But understand this. The most important part of God's presence is not the feeling. It's the voice of God within the presence. Because his presence 
is a messenger. He's coming to say things. When you feel the presence of God, say, God, what are you saying? When I was lying on the floor, overwhelmed by the presence of God, as I was sharing at the start of this program, talking about, oh, the wonderful feelings from heaven, what I realize now is I should have been going, what are you saying, God? What, what do you, would you speak to me? Give me some clear things to, to know and to understand. And c- correct me, improve me, develop me, speak to me. Because it's in the voice of God that miracles break out, not just in the feeling of God. So when we grasp the voice, things begin to break out. I want to encourage you, learn how to hear the voice of God. And incredible stuff can begin to break out in your life. When you ask for a miracle... God often gives you an instruction. When you fulfill the instruction, the miracles of heaven break out. Think about Jericho. The children of Israel come to Jericho, and God says to Joshua, right, well, march around once every day for six days. On the seventh day, march around seven times. And all of it had been done largely in silence other than a bit of trumpet blowing. And then the last day, give this shout, God says. Give this shout, and the walls will come down. Now, I often wonder, I wonder what it would have been like if the children of Israel had been English with that instruction. (laughs) We probably would have loved the six days of walking around in silence, doing our quiet, whispering spiritual warfare. But on day seven, when Pastor Joshua makes us walk around seven times and then says, shout for the Lord has given you the city, I think there's loads of congregations that would go, we're not shouting, we're English, we're quiet. So would the walls have come down if they hadn't shouted? You see, the miracle is wrapped up in the instruction. When we do what God says, even if it's illogical, when we do what God says and trust him, stuff breaks out. So that's why we need to grasp, in the presence of God, the most powerful thing is the voice of God. When we grasp the voice of God, incredible things can happen. Let me just tell you some stories to illustrate this. One of the ladies in our church, an elder's wife in our church, had terrible arthritic joints in real pain. And she'd done all the usual things to pray for it in in various ways. And then one evening, God said, I want you to put lemon juice on your joints. And she's like, lemon juice on my joints? How's that going to do anything? But she thought, well, I don't have to tell anybody if it doesn't work. So she goes to the cupboard and she gets that stuff you put on pancakes and she, she squirts it on all of her arthritic jokes joints and wakes up the next morning completely healed lemon juice doesn't heal arthritic joints but when God says do this little thing and I will bring a miracle to earth for you when we do what he says incredible things break out I think of a a man that came to our church he'd been in a car accident and was in terrible pain and he'd come to a healing service and I remember standing just behind him he he was due for further therapy on the problems around his neck and whiplash and stuff like that and as I'm looking and praying almost like an impression I couldn't see it with my physical eyes but in my imagination I saw a cage around this man around his neck and his shoulders and and I'm saying to God because I realize there's something powerful about listening to the voice I'm saying God what do you want me to do? It's like I'm seeing this, this cage around him. And God just said to me, pull it off. So I'm like, there isn't one. What should you pull it off? It's just in my imagination. But I put my hands where I saw that cage. Now, he was facing away from me. As I pulled, his whole body shook. I hadn't touched him. His whole body shook and he was healed. See, there's something. I, I'm not saying there was a cage. I'm just saying when God speaks... 
we get into the realm of the miraculous when we obey. I remember being in this conference and um, at some point in the conference, God had given me some words of knowledge about healing various conditions that needed to be healed. I said, if that's any of you, come forward. And about, I don't know, maybe a dozen people came forward and lined up at the front. And, and, and so I thought, oh, that, well, that's good. The words of knowledge were right. That helps. So I walk up to the first person and I slap my hand on their head and I begin to pray. And I'm looking like a man of God on the outside, but inside I know nothing's happening. I can't feel the power of God. I can't feel the presence of God. Nothing. So I kind of, I go to the next person and I thought, well, if I shout Jesus a bit louder, that'll be spiritual, right? So I, I look a bit more stern, a little bit more spiritual, and I pray a little bit harder. Outside, I'm looking like a man of God, but nothing's happening. I get to the third and the fourth people, nothing. Doesn't matter how much I try, nothing's happening. And in my heart, without telling anybody, I say, God, what's going on? And this is what God said to me. He said, you're on autopilot. I'm like, what? Okay, you started right with the words of knowledge, but now you've just started looking spiritual instead of keeping on listening to me because that's where the miracles live. You need to get back to listening to my voice. Oh, how much of church do we do just because we do things that look spiritual, things that we've seen others do? We, we copy patterns and methods instead of getting back to the voice of God that's in the presence of God. Well, well, I apologise to the Lord, and if I'm honest, I apologise to the people in the room. And I said, all right, all right look, let me start again. I want to pray because not enough's happening. So I went back to the first person, and I felt God say to me, you just do whatever I tell you to do, nothing more. And so I stand next to the first person. I'm like, God, what do you want me to do? And he says, I want you to blow on them. <laughs> I know from the book of John that Jesus had blown on his disciples once. So I knew it was, you know, there was a scriptural precedent for it, but I'm like... Oh, God, I had garlic last night. I, you know what I mean? They're not going to enjoy me blowing on them. He said, blow on them. So I said, close your eyes. And then I blew. And the power of God came. Then it got to the second person. And God said, I want you to do nothing. Just stand still next to them. And as I stood, about 20 seconds in, whew, the power of God came. Third person, God said to me, it's a lovely looking lady, slightly older lady, dressed like an elder's wife. And he said, I want you to say, unclean spirit, come out. And I'm like, oh, God, I can't say that. But anyway, I plucked up the courage and I went for it. Unclean spirit, come out. I said it fairly quietly, if I'm honest. But the power of God came. And all along this line, it was something different. For I wasn't looking spiritual. I wasn't going through the spiritual motions. I was listening to God and doing what he said. And with everyone, the power of God came. There were people in that line that were healed of incurable diseases. One woman fell to the ground. She'd had an incurable stomach condition. And she said, I learned this afterwards, when I fell to the ground, I entered a vision and I walked through a garden and I walked up to a man in the garden who turned around and he showed me the nail prints in his wrists. And when he said, I did this for you, I was completely healed. That's just incredible. There I was powerlessly going through the motions. Even though I'd started in the spirit, I clicked into religiosity and autopilot. But when I got back to the voice, the power and the presence of God was there to heal incurable diseases. There's healing in the voice. If we can get back to the voice of God, incredible things are going to happen. There's, there's, there's salvation in the voice. I love this story. There was a young Indian man just learning how to hear God's voice. And he was a quiet time. He lived in a village, rural India. Uh, there was a curfew. He wasn't allowed out at night. And he was praying one evening. And God, in his imagination, 
showed him a tree that he knew on a, on a road, a dusty road. But it was dark outside, there was curfew. And God said, I want you to go and stand under that tree and I want you to preach the gospel. And he kind of said to God, but God, there's a curfew, I'm not allowed to go out. It's pitch black out there. And why, why do you want me to go out there? But anyway, he feels the impression so strongly because he's learning how to hear the voice of God. So he wants to go with these things. So in the end, he sneaks out the door and he goes out to the little dusty road that he knows in the pitch black and he goes and he finds the tree next to the road and he stands under that tree and he begins to preach the gospel. Oh boy, he gives it heaven, hell, Adam, Eve, revelation, Jesus dying on the cross for our sins and how he knows you and he wants to free you from your sins so that you can walk with God now and for all eternity. He, he does the lot. He preaches the gospel and then he's getting near to the end of his bit and he feels God say, now give an altar call. And he's thinking, an altar call? Who's going to respond to an altar called cows I mean there's no one out here but he obediently gives his altar call and so he says if there's anybody here under the sound of my voice just respond right now and I will lead you to a place of peace with Jesus and then he hears a rustling in the tree above him and he hears someone say okay okay I'm coming down and out of the tree climbs this young man with a noose in his hand he said I came here to commit suicide but then you came and stood under the tree and you've just told me all about my life, but how there's a savior who loves me and how if I give my life to him, I can have peace now and for eternity. And there on that dusty street in the pitch black, he leads that man to Jesus. There are adventures, salvation, quests and missions and excitement in the voice of God. When we catch how God speaks incredible things, can happen. Let me tell you one last story about Edward Miller, the Argentinian revivalist. Do you know how the Argentinian revival started? I've heard him tell this story many times. He was in a sleepy little church where not a lot happened, but he longed for revival. And one day God said to him, I want you to tell your people to gather to pray, but they must gather at eight in the evening and anyone that comes must stay until midnight. He's just got a handful of people in his church. And he's, he's saying to God, God, how am I going to get them out on a Monday and a Tuesday and a, through the weeknights? No one's going to come. But God said it, so he announced it. We're going to pray for revival. If you want to come, you can come. But if you're coming, you must arrive at eight and you can't leave till midnight. And we're going to pray every night for revival. Well, Monday night comes and four people are there, including him and his wife. And he says at eight o'clock, he says, right, well, we're going to start to pray. And all we're going to do is we're going to sit and we're going to listen to God. And when God says to do something, we'll do it. We just want to hear God. That's all we're going to do. And for four hours, there was complete silence. <laughs> just silence. And they sat there at midnight. He got up and he said, is, it, uh, you know, is God saying anything? And he turns to his wife, no. And the next person, no. And the third person, well, maybe. Well, well what? Oh, no, no, nothing, it's silly, I don't want to say. Well, well, go on, tell us. No, 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 it's silly, I don't want to say. Are you sure? Yeah, okay. So they went off. Tuesday night comes, same four people gather. Eight o'clock through till midnight, we're just going to listen to God. Four hours, nothing. Midnight, he gets up. Is God saying to do anything? His wife, no. Second lady, no. Third lady, well, <laughs> maybe. Well, well, what is it? What, is it the same thing as yesterday? You, Yes, but it's silly. Well, what is it? I feel like God's telling me to slap the table in the middle of the room. Well, do it, he says. You've got nothing to lose. Just do it. Slap the table. No, no, no. It's silly. 
And, and she just refuses. So, next night comes, Wednesday night, 8 o'clock till midnight, nothing, 12 o'clock. Has God said anything? Nothing, nothing. Well, <laughs> I still feel like God's telling me to slap the table in the middle of the room. Well, this goes on for days, but she refuses, like a mental block, she refuses to slap the table in the middle of the room. I mean, he even has them all dancing around the table, and the three of them are slapping, but the fourth woman that God's told to slap, it refuses to touch the table. Then about 10 days in, finally, she reaches out her hand and she slaps the table. This is the way he tells the story. The windows of the church blew open as the Holy Spirit physically entered the room. One of them in the prayer meeting was delivered. So there you go, that's where they were at. By that Sunday, the church was full. Within three months, they're heading off all over Argentina, planting churches and stirring the revival that we know today as the Argentinian revival. All because a woman slapped a table. If slapping tables brought revival, I'd do it right now. Doesn't. If waving sticks parted seas, if lemon juice healed joints, we'd fall into method, wouldn't we? We'd just do the stuff. It's not the thing, it's the voice is where the miracles live. And I want to encourage you. There's revival in the voice. There's healings and miracles in the voice. There's destiny in the voice. There's adventures in the voice. You don't have to be great, perfect, have it all together. You can be incredibly normal. But if you get filled with the Holy Spirit like Jesus, and then you begin to be led by the Holy Spirit like Jesus, well, the passage in Luke goes on to show that he came out of that desert in the power of the Holy Spirit. What was infilling became a leading and as he was led by the voice of God, it became power and authority to perform miracles. We've got to take that process. Don't just be filled, it's not enough. Be led. And as you are led by the Spirit, you will grow and grow in the things of God till miracles begin to break out. Don't just have his presence inside you. Have his presence break out as you obey the instructions of heaven and see miracles break out in your world. I pray that you would begin to hear the voice of God like never before, because all the adventures you ever long to have are wrapped up in hearing the voice of God. God bless you as you seek to hear him every single day.